What up? It's Open Mike Eagle once again. This is Secret Skin. Thank you for tuning in. Those three things rhymed, not on purpose. You know when some people say rhymes aren't on purpose, they say like, uh, I'm a poet and I don't know it. I want to slap those people. I want to slap them. Oh, it's one of my pet peeves. It's a full-grown peeve now. It's a full-grown peeve that has trouble getting around the house. It's no longer... It's no longer a pet. Um, This is Secret Skin. This is an interview show. In this episode, I speak to one of my OG homies and um, super talented rapper, comedian, battler, uh, podcaster himself. Dumbfounded. We actually started our careers together. We started in a group in the late 2000s called Thirsty Fish. Um, That's also, it's, it's in your phone right now. It's in your phone. It's already there. Um, I don't talk about it a lot because we were young people making young people rap music um, that mostly involved us just taking metaphors way too far. Uh, we talk about that a little bit in a session, too. This conversation was recorded live at the grocery dispensary in L.A. and brought to you by Smarty Plants. This is Secret Skin. I'm open mic eagle. Um, I don't know what else to say. Um, oh, if you want to help the show out um, for all the ads, we give out codes for stuff. If you want to use those codes on those products, that helps the show out a lot. Uh, also, um, on my Patreon, join my Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash open mic eagle. Um, the next few episodes of this podcast, not this one, but the next few um, are going to involve uh, special contributions from people who are patrons. So not only do you get extra content um, on the music side, podcast side, we have a secret discord. We got all kinds of stuff. Um, but in the next few weeks, you're going to get a chance to contribute lots to um, the next few episodes. I won't ruin the surprise too much, but uh, things are going to be different starting next week. And that's something you should know. Um, this is Stony Island Audio. This is part of the Stony Island Audio Podcast Network. Includes a bunch of great shows like Dad Bot, Rap Pod, Super Duty, Tough Work, Creativity, and Captivity. The Questions, Hip Hop Trivia Show, The Raw Report, The Fatherhoods Podcast, and uh, there's a few more, I am sure. Um, I don't know. I really don't know what else to say now. Um this is a fun conversation, though. Me and me and me and Dumbfounded, we go way back. We go super way back. Um, so it was nice to catch up. And he's a very entertaining, entertaining, entertaining. I don't know what accent that would be, but he's great. The talk is great. You're about to hear it. I'm Open Mike Eagle. This is Secret Skin. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And I like starting like that, too, because here we are. We're setting the scene. Right, right, middle right. <laughs> of a dispensary, for real. We're sitting... 
on a half circle couch. We're in the lobby. I see the security guard right here with the bulletproof vest. And there's there's lots of weed being sold. Yeah, there is. This that is, is a nice one too. It's a high volume spot. Okay, there's 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 an etch sketch being put on <laughs> yeah, the table. I don't know what here. you want us to do with that? This, but yeah. it it seems cool to me. It seems cool to me. But um. Okay. All right, okay. we got we got visor <laughs> options. All right. That's good. I'm looking like an old Asian lady with that visor. I can't <laughs> right. do that. I can't do visors. Right. Well, I'm um I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and get this started. Okay. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and uh, this is Flowerside Chats. This is Flowerside Chat number two. This is a this is a this is a podcast we're recording <laughs> live in a dispensary. Yeah. Um, which is kind of an interesting, awkward. Kind of experience. Flowerside, thanks for the invite, man. A Flowerside sounds like a really friendly gang. It, right. <laughs> <laughs> Flowerside, homie. Like you're repping Flowerside. <laughs> Flowerside. I hear that. I hear that. Um, but it's you know it's it's an interesting place to uh, you know visually interesting and a, and a cool environment to speak in. Uh, we're going to be talking to people who uh, like weed a lot. Yeah. And uh, I know you, you're not like a weed marketed kind of artist. Used to be. Used to be. Used to be. Had the hot box show. Right. Remember, you used, did have uh, the hot box show. 50 episodes of interviewing artists inside my car. We Honda are, Civic. we are kind of stealing your concept, except for the car. Like, <laughs> well, you're, you're, like the weed podcast. Stealing because the car is a big part of the concept. That's, I guess that's of true. That pod, I guess you know? that's true. A hot box does necessitate a car. That and that was Doja Cat's first interview ever. Really? In on the Hotbox. Interesting. You're seventeen star. years old. You're a star maker. And uh, and then Anderson's Anderson Pat at one of his first interviews too. My goodness. And and that's I was gonna say I know you're into weed because I know you as a person <laughs> and because I've been <laughs> yeah. around you uh, a long time. We smoked a lot of weed together yeah, yeah, over yeah. the years. Um, but just speaking of years and longevity like that's interesting like you've had such a long career in LA and you've known so many other artists and you're from you're, you're like from LA you're like LA guy like most people are like I'm not from here most people who I know here aren't from here yeah so like what is your perspective on the city as like a homegrown artist with all the talent you've seen come up out of this scene I mean uh it's obviously LA has a lot of talent, talent, but to have been around kind of that the scene of what really creates a star is pretty amazing. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like we've been around some people who've really, really blown up, blown up, yeah. blown up, and that part is like so sick. And I think it probably happens to so many people. Like if you're part of any kind of community, mm -hmm. you know, someone goes off and becomes a crazy star. But it really just kind of shows you like. You kind of need a village to make a star. That's interesting. That's how I feel. Like, you know, people always think like, oh, that one guy put this person on, that person mm -hmm. on. I feel like it takes a whole ass village, bro. Of, and you, and yeah. you don't mean in just in terms of audience. You mean like a team of people, like. Team help. of people, different scenes. And like that person has have had to gone through a bunch of different circles. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And someone in each circle somehow help that person some way. You know what I mean? And I think that's definitely true if you look at your journey, right? Because you've been a part of different circles. And, like, I've watched you, like, put different circles together. Right, right. So we're going to explore some of that, too. Like I said, I've known you a long time, but, you know, in preparation for an interview, I like to look at people's Wikipedia page. And it's, it's <laughs> real it. interesting to see shit on there that, like, 
Oh, I didn't know this about you. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I thought at this point you would know a lot about me, actually, because we have known each other right. hella long. So I knew most of it. But, like, yeah, yeah. you know, since you were born in Argentina, I'm not sure I knew that. You didn't know that? I don't think I knew that. How the fuck do you not know that? I guess I, guess I just assumed you were born in L.A. I'm not even hurt. I'm just, like, shocked. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's just one of those things, like, you know, I, I came in when I was three, so right. I don't have much attachment to Argentina. But I always said it because it sounds cool. It does sound it, cool. Like it was, especially growing up around Latina girls, like that's what I thought. <laughs> that was your end. I was like, I was born, <laughs> and I'd be like, I was born in Argentina. I'd like, <laughs> I'd like really lean into it. You know, what I mean, I'd roll the R Buenos Aires. Like that's I'd, good. I'd really, but um, didn't really do anything for me except the fact, yeah, I was just born there. Like my parents met each other there in the early twenties, and they're both Korean. Uh huh. You know, and then how did they end up in Argentina? My mom, when she was fifteen years old. Moved to Argentina with her, uh, with her, my grandparents, because there was just a huge migration of like Asians into South America. Really? Yeah, it was like the way like Nazis went to Argentina. Right. <laughs> it was like Koreans did too, apparently. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah, so let's um, <laughs> compare Koreans to Nazis now. Uh, just Koreans moved to Buenos Aires, and there's a little community of Koreans there. And my wow. mom grew up there in her early 20s. I guess my dad moved to Argentina for business, and they just met. They're like, oh, you're Korean, I'm Korean. <laughs> so they just, yeah, had me and my sister there. Well, do you know what made them want to come to the States? I mean, just, it's just you know, the States had a very good reputation globally, I think, at the time. True. Everyone's like, the U.S., you know? Right. I don't know how good the reputation is now, but during that time, I felt like everybody probably wanted to come to the States, right. I'm assuming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Economic opportunities and such. For sure. I, and I don't know how well, Argent, how great it was in Argentina. But the craziest part of how we came here is actually we came through illegally through the Mexican border. Really? Yeah. Really? That's the more interesting thing. Damn. My, my so mom you, carried us as babies. That's so interesting. I always thought one thing that was really notable when I when I met you, was how many people called you Chino, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And explain to people because that's going to connect to what you just said. Yeah, but yeah. Explain to people what that means. So that's how long you know me because you know me as Chino too, right? And it's like Chino is it just means Chinese in Spanish, but like if you grew up in LA that has a big like Mexican Latino population. You got your nickname might be Chino if you're like the only Asian in right. the crew or something. Right, right. So I, you know, I never felt offended because I'm Korean, but also Coreano just doesn't has a better ring. <laughs> Chino has a better ring to it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I like the nickname that I had amongst my crew of like Latino friends. You know, I thought it was cool that I even had a nickname. Right. But then I didn't realize that every Asian person was getting called Chino. <laughs> so like, you were when part I, of a community. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until I met the Asian dude on the block over, and he was Chino too. <laughs> so I had to be like, like this was like the old like medieval times of like I'm Chino with Fourth and Harvard Street. <laughs> I had to like clarify. <laughs> but, I thought it was gonna be like a Highlander thing, like there can only be one. No, like, well, there was a lot of that, you know, okay. especially when you're the only. Asian person in your crew or whatever, mm -hmm. you see another Asian dude, like, you do that Spider-Man meme, you're like, <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> like, so, I mean, and, and I think just to connect it to what you were saying before, so, like, that kind of demonstrates you have a connection to the Latino community here. Yeah. And it's really interesting that your family got here the way that a lot of Latino families got here as well. Like, you share that same kind of connection. 100%. I mean, I grew up definitely majority of my life with Latinos. You know what I mean? Um, it was like 
I don't know. I feel like I, you know, I, I rep a lot just being Korean, Korean American, but more than anything, I'm LA. I feel mm. I'm super LA more than anything. That's real. You know what I mean? Like, and LA is just that's that's what it is. Latinos in it LA, is. you know. So I've, I've always like connected with like uh, like the Latino community and just growing up. That's how I got my intro into like how we met too. You know, Project Blood was like through Latino friends and stuff. So. Right. So we met in Project Blood. It had to be like what, 2006 or something like that. Like five, six. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. That that was already what is it? 15. Right. Years ago. God yeah. damn. Um. I don't. So I know you from then. What I'm not super aware of is what your experience with music was like before then. Like what? Like you already had to be in love with rap music to be at the Blow. In 06. So, like, what was your first experience with rap like? I would say I started rapping around 2003, mm -hmm. you know, and at that point I was like, I would have been a sophomore or something in high school, you know what I mean? And like, my experience before that was just, yeah, I grew up, I grew up on hip hop and rock and all that, but I was freestyling a lot at parties in high school and I thought I was tight as fuck. And I, <laughs> I would say I was probably the, one of the better ones in my school circle. So I go to Blowed one night, uh, like when I was like 15 or 16 or some shit, like one of the guys who already knew about it took me there. Uh -huh. And I see like hundreds of rappers on the street the same yeah. way we all did. Yeah. Just freestyling. I'm like already ready to go. <laughs> Stick my head in there. I was like, oh shit, these motherfuckers are really good. <laughs> so I actually had to go back to the drawing board. It really was like a wake up call for me. For sure. That shit checked me hella hard because I thought I was tight as fuck. At the parties, smoke, smoking weed, getting free drinks. Girls are all sh amazed. I go to the bloat. I I think that first night I went to the bloat, I couldn't even. I I didn't even open my mouth. Just like I just, didn't even freestyle. I couldn't do it. Wow. And then walking back to the car after it was over, I was like, "Fuck! I should have hopped in." Like <laughs> like punching the air like Cuba could in this shit. Like damn, I should have rapped. How quick did you come back? The week after, I, that was I was automatically hooked. Yeah. Like. After that, I was hooked automatically. I'd come every, my friend, you know, he had a car, so I'd, mm -hmm. I'd roll with him. He'd pick me up. I remember for weeks and weeks I'd go, and in one week, uh, he was late to my house. I called him. He's like, oh, I'm not going to go today. I was like, what? <laughs> no, we got to go. <laughs> so I remember I took the bus or something mm -hmm. all the way to Lamert from Koreatown. So I'm at like on 3rd Street, yeah. and Lamert's on 43rd. Yeah, man. So I take the bus there. And on the way back was like scary as fuck. Bro. Right, late at night <laughs> late at on night. the way back. Yeah. Talking like 1, 2 a.m. on Thursday, you know, it's Do you crazy. remember what the first cypher you got in and, and rapped? Like, do you remember what that what what that felt like? Or? Yeah, that shit was, just in, while I was rapping, like, yeah, my heart was beating. But, really? you know, as soon as I got done, like, yeah, I only got like eight, eight, like eight bars yeah, most yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before somebody. They weren't, they weren't known for letting people go yeah, a long hell time. Nah. Yeah. Like, that's what another thing that Blow taught me. It was like that you have to aggressively. You got to fight for it. You got to fight for that shit. Yeah. There's no like, I'm done rapping. Now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was none of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you really have to disrespect because somebody to, to rap. The there. MCs were hungry, right? Yeah. And they were always like ready to go. So, like, once. You know, uh, anybody felt like it was time rhythmically to to jump in, they would do it instantly. Yeah, you know? I mean, literally, you know, there was all these nicknames like you know, curbside bullies and shit. Mm -hmm. Like motherfuckers were bullies there. <laughs> they were <laughs> real the bullies. Block. Yeah. So you know, I think that was one of the biggest things that's taught me, and I think I apply that to so much of my life now, where I really just I I'm aggressive mm -hmm. with with. 
like when I when I uh, when I need to say something or be seen, like I'm really aggressive with it from right. the bloat. I feel like right. What um what music was really inspiring you at that time? Like what, what like because obviously there's a freestyling aspect, yeah. right? But then we all started making music around it as well uh, as our group Thirsty Fish and then later on yeah. Swim Team. So like what. What do you think was like some of the rap music that was really informing how you were approaching writing raps at that time? That, that was the interesting thing about Project Blow too, because it wasn't just a place, obviously, of freestyling and signing up on the open mic sheet. Like they had artists out of there, right? right. Like underground rappers who were putting out albums and stuff. Homegrown artists who also had legendary careers. Yeah. So before, you know, growing up in LA, you know, I grew up on like West Coast hip hop, but also everything on the radio from like No Limit Cash Money, like that era of shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and then like, I think in high school, I got into like Lyricist Lounge, you know, sound bombing albums, like most, quality, all that. Mm -hmm. And then one day I go to Blow and I get put onto like Freestyle Fellowship. And that album, like To Whom It May Concern, like fucked me up in my right. head. I I didn't even know if I liked it. I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, it really messed me up actually. And I think that album really changed my perception of like rap. Because mm -hmm. um, I didn't get it. And I, but I kept trying to get it. Right. And then one day it just clicked like, this shit is cr crazy genius. Like, right. um, so I think it really changed my taste in hip hop a lot, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then like that bus driver, temporary whatever album, yeah. temporary forever. That shit was crazy, bro. So you come into the blow like most of us are like very intimidated because these are like the best MCs in the world, right? They make you go back to the woodshed yeah. and like figure your shit out so you can come back tighter. Um, I was also one of like two Asian dudes there. Yeah, so, you know, I'm <laughs> you know, sure there was like, a whole nother layer of... of uh, of intimidation. I, I will say it, it did a lot for, for me too. Cause at the time I was hanging out with mainly Latino kids, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And I feel like I didn't even have a lot of black friends at that point, you know, in my high school, like yeah. it was mainly Latinos. So, and I never gone like past Pico in LA, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. Now you're deep past. Yeah. Pico. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember one day my dad dropped me off. He's like, where the fuck are we going? <laughs> like, where the fuck are we going? And I think that was a huge thing because Lamert Park is one of those, like it has a very rich like African-American yeah. history mm -hmm. in, in that community, right? Like, so it changed even my per a per a perception of like black people. Mm -hmm. Cause like I'm growing up on just like hip hop on the radio, television shows, right? Sitcoms and all that. And I go over there and I meet like every spectrum of like a black kid. Like, yeah. you know, like- a, Absolutely. A, like a super gangster motherfucker. The scariest gangster. Scariest to like some punk rock black kid. Right. The hippies. Some, yeah, some anime kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Somewhere in our crew, right. you know? But I think that's why I was really grateful that I got introduced to that because it really opened my mind beyond levels of just rap shit, right. you know? So, yeah. So how did you, what do you think was your first indication that like you had put in the time and like you were accepted like by these legends and these these incredible MCs. I still don't feel like <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you know how it is. I a project blowed. Like there was definitely a time, I guess, we all got accepted. Right. But it wasn't like a hug and you're in now. It was right. so I'm still kind of like, 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 like now we're just gonna haze you less. <laughs> yeah. I'm still like, do these guys still like us? <laughs> um I think there was a time, there was a time where I think where maybe it was more like not a direct thing where they like complimented us, but like 
they'll say something to somebody else like, oh, this little homie right here. Yeah. Like, got bars, you know? Yeah, and that's they, funny. You're right, because they never say it to you directly. Nah, hell no. But I'm like, oh, over- shit, okay. <laughs> but you Thank might you. overhear them <laughs> complimenting you to that, somebody that's else. That's what I'm saying. I think, and it just hit me out of nowhere that, mm-hmm. like, I would hear that. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, he fucks with me, you know? Yeah. That's how I, I felt like it got, I got hip to them being like, okay, he's part of the crew. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah, so that was a shocker, but it felt great. It felt real great. We were in a group called Thirsty Fish that we just mentioned a little while ago. Yep. Uh, we put out some of our earliest releases. I know you had put out a couple projects before that, and I think I maybe put out one before, but like one of our, I would say like higher profile things, because we had like legends like AC Alone and yeah, Abstract definitely. Rules. It was like big for us with the Project Blow too, to have these projects out. Uh, do you ever go back and listen to any of that stuff now? I mean, we put the first album out in 08, I think. I just listened to it, and God damn it is a weird-ass album, it is. bro. It, it is. is weird. It is. It's I, weird, and it's, uh, you know, like I said, for anybody listening, we called ourselves Thirsty Fish, and we spent that whole album <laughs> taking that metaphor way too far, yeah. like every that's, song. That's why it's so weird, like— Every time I, I I'm in my car and like one of the homies like I, I like find it I, I think I do it like once or twice a year I yeah. just like revisit something mm-hmm. I go on it and the homies like you re- you guys really stuck to that water theme <laughs> 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 it is like ridiculous like that album is insane and I I try to think back like where our head was at yeah when we we're making that stuff and it's just like it's funny like how hard we did that but I was always into themes yeah like I love themes yeah, you had done the, the Super Barrio Brothers yeah. joint which mm-hmm. was heavily themed with video games and then all my like even my first album like I had whole songs that were so specific to a thing mm-hmm. I had a song called Cock Blockers it was about three different types of cock blockers. Like every line like, was about was cock like, blocker. It was so stupid. It was like a super young kind of thing. But I was always into like, you know, like storytelling shit, like mm-hmm. Slick Rick and stuff. Like that was my mm-hmm. shit, you know? So, mm-hmm. Did you find that, that your, your approach when it comes to thematic stuff, is it, has it changed over the years? Y- yes, but I like, I think you're like this too. We like very specific things you know mm-hmm. like to be very specific about things right i think we 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 come from like a world like our rap school had a lot of that element too mm-hmm. you know where we're judged on like your word choices yes you know yes so that was so important to me it's like you know rhyming things that nobody may have rhymed ever in their right. life you that's, know to me that's still like super important to make sure that i'm not like saying rhyming words that I've heard before. No, you're like the king of that shit. But I mean, even like before us, like one of the kings of that shit was like Bus Driver. Yeah, That motherfucker had crazy rhyme schemes, mm-hmm. you know, that I would, I would just be mind blown, you yeah, know? And dissecting and listening and like- Exactly. He just rhymed what with what, you know? And That's why like when we're rhyming now, like- you're going to hear, say, wild schemes like, oh, Dolly Parton, Olive Garden, uh, Macaulay Culkin. Like, you know, like, just wild schemes. And and I always, like, that's how I judge rappers in general. Yeah. I always judge rappers by, like, certain things they rhyme, you know? And I'm like, oh, that fool's dope. This guy is basic. <laughs> it's like. When you, um, when you think about the time we was coming together and making that music, is there anything that you miss about that time? Creatively, socially? Yeah, I miss all that shit, yeah. you know? I, I don't miss... I miss it because we weren't bothered at all about, like, being broke. True. 
that is like the a special time where if you're not bothered by that, then you can really enjoy the present moment of like how beautiful like everything is, mm-hmm. you know, of you would like 20 people in a tiny apartment freestyle and drinking, smoking weed, yeah. like, and you know, having the time of your life. For real. Like spending hours at an open mic, freestyling, killing it, three hours, four hours, five hours, and then on the way home be like, all in a day's work. <laughs> like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, you just put... <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I do. Being I do. so proud of yourself, but right. you didn't you, make you no money. nothing. nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. yeah. But you you have had that, that amazing time of, like, being super creative with people and challenging yourself and pushing each exactly. other. Exactly. And it's like you're high off of it. Yes. You're so high off of it, and you feel like you just did some incredible shit, mm-hmm. you know? But really, like, no, like, you're still broke. You're still? Yeah, you, <laughs> you have less gas money, actually. And you, you, ha- you haven't really put in any work towards making any money no, either. No, but. but I guess that is work in a sense where you're honing your yeah, skill, at least, you know? A hundred percent. What do you think is an important thing you learned in that era? Important thing that I learned in that era is, I think, what we kind of talked about earlier. It's like you have to really kind of seize the opportunity by by you know being aggressive about it right you have to you know grab it by the horns you know what i mean right you can't be passive in any of it there's no like yeah and and i feel like that that uh non-passive approach really helped me out in so many worlds i'm never you know it's when i'm out and about speaking to people like i feel very confident in myself Mm -hmm. through all those experiences you know what i mean and but i also feel like did it? Am I overdoing it at times? Because I'll be on a podcast with some people, and be like, "You're talking over us a lot." <laughs> so I'm like, "Did I learn to be rude too?" At the same time, I can definitely say, like, that, that environment we were in, like, for all of the sharpening it did for us, like, creatively, did give us a few bad habits too. It did, you know, and and I and I think that that could be one of them, right? Is like you could kind of not realize how much space you're taking up. You know? Yeah, because I, I would be on a pod with, like, one of my co-hosts, and she'd be like, yo, you talk over everybody and stuff. And I'd be like, no, you got to just grab the mic, and if you want to say something, just say it. <laughs> and I was, she's like, she, she was like, this isn't an open mic, bro. <laughs> like, she snapped at me, but I was like, maybe she's right. Maybe I, you know. I gotta... that's kind of not how a conversation works. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. People having to exactly. choke a microphone out <laughs> yeah. to talk. Um, earlier I brought up that there's, you know, a bunch of things I know about you, knowing you personally, and then things I only learned on Wikipedia. Uh, another one, it says here, uh, you used to work as a bail bondsman? I did. What the I fuck did. was that like? <laughs> I had a lot of odd jobs, you know what I mean? I had a lot of odd jobs, and I worked at an insurance, uh, like a farmer's insurance, and um, they also did bail bonds, mm-hmm. like on the side. Not, not farmer's insurance company, but the broker did. And they were making a lot of money. So I was like, yo, how could I do this? You know what I'm saying? Like the bail bonds, like that side of their business yeah, was making more money. They were than making a else. lot of money. I was like, shit, I want to do this. Like, they're like, yeah, go to this bail bonds thing, classes to get the license. So I go through the class to get the license. And we would like solicit jails and shit. It was like completely illegal. You're not supposed to like hang out at the jail and be like, yo, your cousin locked up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to get him out? You know what I mean? But. Like catch people walking out of visitation or something? That kind of shit. Wow. Yeah, it was really like sleazy because the truth is like a lot of the people we were bailing out, they're like regular people, you know, like DUI stuff, maybe some like domestic violence shit or something, you know, that happens, a fight. 
But the truth is, like, they'll be locked up for a little bit and they'll let them out. You know, within I like see. like within like a day or two, maybe. But like I was just I was trying to get them to like be like, we should get them out now. You know right. what I mean? So it was like kind of sleazy. Yeah. Damn. I just couldn't imagine you. <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't last long. Yeah. It really didn't last long. Um like it's not like you're a chill guy. It doesn't seem like a chill job. Nah, it's not a chill job. I just saw my coworker making a lot of money. I was like, I want in. I want some of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's real. So, you know, we're having this conversation um, in a dispensary. Shout out to Grocery. Yeah. Uh, brought to you by Smarty Plants, of course. Um, so it's only right to ask you, you know, a couple of weed questions. How, um, how much does weed play a part in like your creative process? I think if it's played a big part, like when I was first starting, I was smoking weed every day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a lot less now. But during that time, it was like huge, you know, I was, uh, oh, I got some friends just showed up here too. And I didn't even invite them. They just showed up. They must <laughs> maybe they actually maybe saw the, the promotion. <laughs> the, the promotion. Oh, really? I was like, okay, never mind. Fuck y'all. Then. <laughs> nah, but uh, so... How much? A lot, I think. Early on in the creative process, you know, a lot. Especially that that vibe of freestyle. Mm-hmm. I think just, you know, weed just really helps cats just kind of loosen up and take you to that place. Right, Sometimes right. It, it will take you there. Um, but now it's not even on a creative level. It's to just kind of Relax. chill. Yeah. And that still helps my creative, I feel. You know what I mean? Do, like, you, uh, do you notice a difference, let's say, if you're writing, if you're writing high versus... Right, not high. Do you do you notice a difference in how that goes? No, but I notice the difference in when I'm actually recording. Really? Talk about that. Yeah. So like when I'm writing, I mean writing I feel like I don't know. You know, I can't I can't say one does the other or mm-hmm. whatnot. I just feel like you catch a vibe or whatever. But when I'm recording, I definitely think if when I'm high, like there's a I, I catch a different groove a right. little bit, you know? Right. And and a lot of times it's kind of a better and cooler groove. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's done that for me, I feel. That's because I, I've always been kind of like fidgety and twitchy. Like even on when I'm recording, I, I get too hype. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's helped me, you know, calm down on my delivery and shit. That's like, what's up. Yeah. It's interesting. I think I've experienced something like that too, where there's a different way I'll approach recording mm. when I'm high. And yep. sometimes I'm like, oh, I like that kind of result a yeah. little better. Yeah. You know? um, you're one of the first people I know to be like really serious about YouTube. Um, you know, when that thing was really like kind of first kicking off and people were figuring it out, like you were the one of the first people I know to like really put in a lot of time on that. Yeah, like my whole thing is I feel even with YouTube, I'm always really good at finding people to help me out with shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great I always, I always, that's a great thing to be good at. Well, yeah, but it is that because people always come to me like, you know, I, I've been a part of a lot of dope things really early, but mm-hmm. it was always because I found somebody who was really hip to it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was never me. Like what happened was like, I, I was doing f- battles and a lot of those battles were YouTube videos online, but they weren't from my channel or nothing. Right. They were from like all these leagues or what they're getting millions of views. I'm filming myself. And then this dude like kind of checked me. He was like, yeah, you got all these videos, but like, they're not your videos. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was like, no, these are my videos. Like, right, I'm in the video. In them, exactly. I, was, I didn't even think about it like that. He's like, no, these aren't your channel. You should build out your channel. So that's what got me into building that YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. My old manager that we st- I started working with him, and he he was just saying that, 
we should make our own content on our own channel, you know? And I never even thought about it that way. I literally just saw it as like, I'm in the video, that's my video, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got, in, I got into that and I just, I didn't realize he was really early and hip to it. He knew about the communities that existed on YouTube, like YouTube stars and right. stuff. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. And, and there's a lane for what I'm doing. So it built my fan base, you know? And you've always been really good about finding ways to connect with your fans. And along those same lines with YouTube, it, it makes me curious of like, are there any platforms you're watching now? Like, oh, this is a way to get on and try to like get at the fans in a new way. Platforms? Oh, man. I mean, you know, I, I think Twitch probably is, yeah. is the newest thing. Yeah. And I'm not on it like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just, I, you know, for me, I've always had a little bit of boundaries, I feel. Yeah. With, with fans. Like, and I had less back then. Like, I was engaging with fans. I loved fan engagement. Now I'm a little older. I'm like, I need my space. Yeah, that's real. I need my space. I can't do every fan engagement all the time. <sighs> Scavenger hunts. No, like, <laughs> fuck that, dude. I'm too tired to do scavenger hunts, bro. Wow. You know, I, I think it, I I really love having those boundaries. You know, I have my homie who's like a heavy twitcher, my boy Lyrics, like a rapper. He's he's so engaged with his fans, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll go grab a drink with his fans wow. and shit. They must be nice. He must have nice fans. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's cool for him. Yeah. For me, I don't like that. Like, I just like to, you know, it's cool. Like, we, I appreciate you and, you know, and thank you for appreciating me, but, like, I need my time. You know, I need my space and I think that's okay. I love that. I think, and I think that's an important thing uh, for artists, especially artists that are, like, just starting out to realize too like you do want to have gratitude you do want to show people you appreciate the attention or money they might be yeah, yeah, yeah. giving you but I do think that there is there's a point where you can be giving too much yeah you know so I think that's a, that's actually a good thing to kind of hit people too I think that's what some of the people like some of the artists feel like oh they they should hang out or do something because of the fact that they're grateful yeah. and I get that you know they're grateful but I think for your just mental health, it's good to have those boundaries. You know 100%, what I mean? 100%. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a second ago that, uh, you know, part of your YouTube beginning was because you were in popular battle videos. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from, from being around you and knowing you at that time, I mean, it was like that world was just beginning. Um and you were very engaged with it and like super talented at it. And it was creating those, those great moments. Um, what, it, what was it about battling that like attracted you to like the sport of it? Hmm. I think I really liked making fun of people. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I love, I love like you're about to, <laughs> yeah. you're stroking your chin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's what it is. Like, really, like, roasting is my love language. <laughs> like, I feel like that. That's like, fantastic. I, I, it is. And you know, that's true. It makes me think about when, like, when we all used to get together as a crew. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yo, the roasting God. was nonstop. It was nonstop. And, and uh, 
you know, Satire, who's in our crew, mm -hmm. was damn near just mean. Like, he wasn't even a, like, he's a roaster. Yeah, he's But just, he will be, he would try to hurt your feelings. He'd be trying to hurt your feelings. He would try sure. to hurt your feelings. He'd be trying to break you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I feel like I was a roaster and, you know, I had fun with it. I, I make fun of somebody, but he would, like, sometimes make you, like, want to cry and yeah, shit. Yeah, he'd like to fuck with your sensitivities. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he will push you. Um, but yeah, that's what it was for me. Like, I was always a, before I started rapping, I would say I was a, always a class clown, you mm -hmm. know? So I already had that element, and right. then mixed with rhyme is what, made me get into battle rap i i think sometimes saying shit roasting somebody with rhymes is even funnier right because there's a rhythm to it <laughs> <laughs> if i getting shitted on on a rhythm there's nothing worse than that bro you're getting shitted on to a rhythm bro Oh, so, so you were there at the beginning of the battle industry, which obviously has changed a lot over the years and gotten really really fucking huge um, like, do you stay engaged in it? I, I well, like battle raps. Are yeah, like the, the scene, that community. Uh, I watch them online once in a while, but it has gotten so complex. Like, it's, like the it, the craft of it, the you craft mean? of it, the actual rhymes. Like, I think that's what determines what's good now in battle rap mm -hmm. is like how complex are you with the bars, right? And I don't know if I enjoy that, right? You know what I mean? Because it's, it's not. It's not quite as much about direct roasting. Exactly. And anymore. I was more about that in my style. And right. I admit that. Like, I wasn't, like, the most complex guy, but I was about the wittiness and, and the humor in it. And I think the, right now it's gone to the point where it's about how complex are you. And that's great. Like, I can't even do some of the shit I've heard. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how much I care about it. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. just because you you used breakfast foods to describe how you're going to kill somebody <laughs> is not, <laughs> I'll scramble your eggs. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, I don't find that so tight to me. Like, right. okay, you took time to see how bacon and eggs and waffles work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in your bars. In your bars, yeah. but what's so cool about that? Right. I, don't, I don't get it, you know? Like, at the end of the day, outside of that, context it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't look like a an amazing feat <laughs> of wordplay to it's to, like you'll it's like you'll catch yourself be like ooh, and then be like huh like <laughs> <laughs> like why <laughs> like why am i excited about yeah, yeah, eggs? Yeah, yeah. Like, um i think yeah that's you know and it, it's its own thing i i just me as a fan is that's that's not what i'm into as much yeah and what do you think about the difference in the industry now versus where it started since you were there at the beginning of that? Uh, the industry of, of battle, battle rap? Yeah. Of industry of battle I mean, it seems like there's still money in it because all the video stuff look really great. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of streaming platforms are actually like funding the, these battles because they live stream it and I know they're getting like a bag for it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there is an audience for it and I've tuned in some of the live streams and there's like thousands, tens of thousands of people on it. So people really appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think the level of like mainstreamness of battling, it's just, it hasn't gone there because I think of the comp complexity of it. Right. That's why. So now, like, even though it might be something that the people who are very into it are super engaged with, it's not the easiest time for like people who aren't into it to get into no, it because it, it's so deep and complex. It's, it's very know? deep. Like, so if somebody would like hover over you while you're watching a video and, listen to the battle like they're not I don't know if they'll get it right off the jump right. 
Right. You know, I feel like back then was easier to kind of get it, you know? Yeah, because it was, like you said, it was more just straight roasting. Like if, if somebody, if you're roasting somebody's shirt, like that's pretty yeah. obvious. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, right true. there wearing the shirt. Right. So, exactly. so it connects. Exactly. Exactly. It way better. Ha- um, once again, this is a uh, flower side chats. We're live at the grocery. We're brought to you by Smarty Plants. So I got another weed question for you. Uh, in all of the battles you did, do you ever remember a time when you battled and you were high? Yeah, I was definitely high from most of it. Most of them? Yeah, like, that was peak smoking weed, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So I, I look at some of my old battles and, like, post interviews. I'm like, I'm high. Like, <laughs> is it weed or something else? I don't know what it is, but, yeah, I'm fucked up in it. Um, but I, I definitely, I think I started learning to, like, be like, don't get high before battles. <laughs> I mean, because I know that, especially with where battling was at the time, like part of battling was like remembering a lot of fucking lyrics. That's true. Um, yeah. So I wondered if if uh, if if being high was some somehow made that more challenging. I think hmm. there's an element where you get so used to smoking weed that. Mm-hmm it helps you kind of just just not think too much about it. You know right, what I not mean? Not overthink it. Not overthink it. And I think that's the great thing about smoking weed. It doesn't make you overthink shit. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that was the element of why, in my head, I was like, oh, before I do a show, maybe I should smoke a little weed because it'll just kind of take the edge off and mm-hmm. I just get in it. Like, I fall into it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like driving when high. Like, you're just... You're in. The, you're on the road. Like, that's, <laughs> this is you in the road. That's it. You know what I'm saying? We had Smarty Plants don't uh, recommend yeah, driving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I couldn't get no uh, weed sponsorship for the Hotbox show. Because you were driving high. Because I'm in the car. Right. <laughs> like, no one wanted to touch that sponsorship. <laughs> I was like, Hyundai, anything? And they're like, no, we're not going to give you money for this. Like, that is illegal, sir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Pun not intended. Yeah, I was like... Uh, you've watched... You know, in, in addition to the, the industry of battling and all that, you've watched the world really embrace Korean culture mm. over the past 10, 15 years as well. Like, I can remember sitting in your apartment and you telling me about, like, Korean rappers and K-pop acts that were really big in Korea, but, like, yeah. they weren't mostly heard of Not outside yet of at the all. Yeah, at that time. Still early. And now, like, that's taken over the world. Yeah. Um, what's your relationship to to that culture and that that music, especially as it sweeps as it sweeps the globe? I have no relationship necessarily with K-pop. Like mm-hmm. I know some artists out there personally and stuff, and I've done some collaboration with Korean rappers, but I wouldn't say I have a huge thing with K-pop. But it's so crazy because in the last f- five to seven years of my career. Like the K-pop fans have trickled into my fan base. Interesting. Just because I'm Korean. Wow. So I'll go do a tour, and the first three rows, I'm like, these fans look particularly different. <laughs> they're clearly K-pop fans, and they're here for my show. Wow. So if anything, it saved my career. Actually, <laughs> it has actually saved my career because yeah. So I mean, it, it, the the stereotypical K-pop fan is very devoted to the artists. Yeah. Hardcore. They know all the words. Mm-hmm. Do, are they embracing your music the same way? Are they coming there knowing all the lyrics? And- Very uh, hardcore fans. A lot better than hip hop fans, actually. I, I bet they're a lot. <laughs> well, they're more like loyal, you know. Yeah. And and they're like, 
they're front row the whole way through, energized. They'll bring you like yeah, gifts and shit. It's it's, it's great. It's it's um, it's great, but it's also confusing because I'm like. Y'all are here just because I'm Korean. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't make K-pop music, right. you know? So I think people are very infatuated with Korean culture right now, like globally. Because obviously even Squid Game and Netflix, right. like, every year I feel like Koreans get one hidden yeah. in, in pop culture. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah. Minari last year. And Parasite. Parasite two years ago. <laughs> BTS, like, four years in a row. Right. You know, like, but it's just like every year we're getting, like, a banger in. And I'm not going to complain. Like, shit's great for me because i'm korean and like yeah. when i go into rooms even to pitch stuff they're like korean you know i, I even go with the squid game tr- green track suit and shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit no no but it's like I, I think there's a big interest in that because i think people are realizing like there's something there with the korean culture somehow things work with tv or film or mm-hmm. storytelling i don't know so you know, I, I think it's it's crazy because when I was growing up, the only Korean motherfucker I'd see on TV was Kim Jong-un. Right. Like, he was the only dude. <laughs> wow. He had the most screen time out of any Asian <laughs> on television. He was dominating. On CNN every day, <laughs> Kim Jong-un right there, you know? So that was, he was the pioneer of Asian representation. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> wow, man. Um, I know that when you started as well, like, because we talk about putting different circles together. Like you were saying, seeing different artists blow up. Like, one yep. thing you learned is that part of that blow up is putting this audience with that audience with that audience. And for you, you know, it was the underground rap audience would blow. It was the battle audience. And it was also, like, this Asian hip-hop um, thing that was really small at the time. But the niche. Y'all, y'all were yeah. working to build up. Um, how has that community changed over time? Like... Because there's the K-pop thing, but like you said, there's like the the Asian just pure hip-hop fans too. Like how has that community changed over the course of your career? I think what it is is like these niche communities is like, I think at the time there were a lot of Asian rappers that were very intimidated as an artist to just go out there and put themselves out there because there weren't a lot of Asian rappers, you know? Mm -hmm. So they formed a lot of these like community shows that was like targeted for Asian audiences and stuff. They were like, oh, the guys on stage are Asian. The people in the crowd are Asian. Like, it felt like a community kind of thing. And because not everyone had the, like, they didn't feel as comfortable as I did maybe going to, like, Project Bloat and shit, you know? Mm -hmm. So there were all these, like, little niche niche shows. Like, I'd play a lot in uh, Asian student organizations and colleges. Right. They would bring, I I remember I I came with you a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And... That shit really helped my career a lot because, you know, I will at least get like a a, a start, like a, a kickstart. Yeah, foot yeah. in the door, you know, knowing that there were people who were interested in my shit. But um wait, what was the question? It was like how I wonder how that how that community has developed and changed over oh, time. Oh, I think I think, you know, there's just I don't think it really exists no more just because there's so many Asian artists. And that's the thing, right? Like now it's more of a mainstream thing. There's so many Asian artists everywhere. But I always did wonder why there has never been like an Asian Eminem. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Like, the closest was like Jin or something, right? Jin, but. Closest to like like, a big mainstream, super lyrical. But that's what I'm saying. Jin is like a dope battle rapper, but I'm talking about the lyrical type of Eminem character. You know what I'm saying? And there hasn't been. I think there will be. I don't don't know. But I think what's happening is people are more infatuated 
with Asian culture than Asian American culture. Oh, interesting. Like, that's how I feel. I feel like no one gives a fuck about Asian American shit. They love Asian shit straight from right. the source. You right. know what I'm saying? I was a talk show host on this network called Mnet America. And mm-hmm. Mnet is a huge uh, network in Korea. So they created this, like, when K-pop started getting popular, they created this Mnet America for English speakers, and um, you know, who are fans of Korean culture. Yeah. So me and this ex-K-pop star were hosting, we're hosts of the show, talking about K-pop all in English. That show got no views mm. because everybody who's a fan of that shit would just go straight to the source right. and, and watch it on subtitles or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? They're not trying to get the watered down English <laughs> translation of the culture. Yeah, they don't want the middle. The middle. Nah, part. nah, nah. So I think that's kind of the vibe right now, how I feel. It's like, yeah, people love, you know, the Asian culture, but the Asian American thing is going to be like the the second kind of wave of it, I feel. Got you. You've uh you've you've never been content to just do one thing. Um and I noticed you've been doing a lot, you've been doing a lot of stand-up comedy lately. Yeah. Uh and it's not like you just started. I remember you even doing that back in the day. Um yeah. you've always been really naturally funny on stage. What has this experience been like doing all the stand-up around the city? It's uh it's humbling. Yeah. Yeah, it's humbling because there's no money at all. Zero, yeah. Like. And, uh, yeah. And it's weird being on a bill every week and you're getting paid nothing. When I was used to getting paid for being on a bill. I, you know, of course, I've done a lot of stuff in the comedy world, yeah, too. Yep. That was one of the biggest culture shocks for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. was like, people be happy to get paid $7. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay. You know, but and, and I get it. It's just because there's so many stand-ups. There's so, so many slots to fill. And... Stand-ups want to be on stage. They yeah. want to get that stage time, 100%. get those reps. So, like, it's not about the money. It's not about the the currency. They fucked up the market for themselves, though. That's you know, true. <laughs> You know, I feel like just because there were so many people hungry for stage time so hard, like, they were just like, nah, we don't need to pay motherfuckers no more. Like, that is your pay, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I, I don't mind it. And I kind of understand, like, maybe the getting paid for every show for in that world might not work either. Right. It's, it is different. It's very, like you said. It is. I've noticed there's, like, a huge rise in stand-up comedy, I feel like, only last year or two, even more. A rise in? Just, just shows and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I hear about these backyard shows, like, three, four a week. Well, you know what? One of the big differences that I've noticed between music and comedy, right, is that people want to fucking laugh, right? So, like, you can get people who line up to go to a comedy show and they have no idea who anybody on the bill is. Mm. It's just because, like, people naturally want to laugh. Like, we come from rap music. People don't just naturally want to hear rap music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, like, That is a good point. People don't, people don't line up for, like, a bunch of rap acts they never heard of. Like, that's not, that's not the same kind of experience that's people true. have. That's true. So, you know, in, in that sense, yeah, there's always going to be a lot of comedy shows because there's always going to be people who want to get together and have that release of laughter yeah and you already know with rap shows there's going to be a level of discomfort yes there is like you're going to probably stand the same for a long time it's not a hollywood bowl situation for a long time yeah like you're going to stand for a really long time and you 
be lucky to get one dope person on the bill you might get into. Yeah, and the sound's going to be all over the place. Gonna People all... are going to be rapping over their own oh, lyrics. And 100%. Can barely hear. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's there is a lot in rap music that is all about, you know, it's, it's just very artist first. So if you have a fan base, it works out great. That's why it's youth driven. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's always, it's youth driven because you have to be willing to do all that, like stand and, you know, it's like old old motherfuckers go to Hollywood Bowl, you yeah. know, have a picnic, the right? To hear, board. Some, to hear hit songs, yeah, <laughs> right. They don't want to hear you fuck around those days. I just imagine, like I, I heard Nas was playing it recently. I just imagine like old rap fans with charcuterie boards listening <laughs> to Nas, bro. This <laughs> is like the idea that is just funny, but like I get it. Drinking box wine, yeah, and I, I, I think about that. I'm like, that sounds like a great time. It does. <laughs> yeah. That was incredible. That's how I see it. I'm like, that sounds like a great ass time. So what do you what do you, you know just from being on stages? What do you think? the difference in how doing stand-up feels versus doing music? Stand-up is, I would say, the the hardest thing I've ever done, performance-wise. Really? It's it's harder than rap, in my opinion. What, what, what would you say makes it harder? Because I don't care how experienced and great you are, you're still going to have nights you bomb. Mm. I feel like if you're a, a musical great, like... People are gonna know your hits. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You'll, you'll always have that. To I don't on. think you'll ever like bomb. Really, you're gonna right. go up. You put on the song, your hits, and you'll be good. You yeah. know, uh, for stand up, I've seen some like really experienced motherfuckers bomb one night, worse mm-hmm. than me, and I'm I'm more new. Right. You know, um, and you got to be willing to deal with that regularly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I could kill it one night, but I got to realize this next show that I signed up to do, I might bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, and. It's just like I'm in this beginning stages of like really paying my dues, you know, the way we did in, in rap. Right. So, but I, I love it. I kind of missed it. Miss, miss starting out, I, I missed, earning your stripes. I, I missed like feeling nervous mm-hmm. on stage and stuff. You know, it's been a while, like since we're like really nervous about yeah. the show. So that part is exciting. And like agreeing to do a show when I'm still kind of nervous, like, but still forcing myself to agreeing to do mm-hmm. it, like, I'm, I, I'm proud of myself for that times. You right, know for I'm, pushing yourself. Yeah, to take like I, you know, that. like I, Joe Coy was like a huge Asian comedian. Like he, one day he called me, he's like, "Yo, you want to open up for me?" I was like, "Fucking nervous." So he's like, "Open up for me in like two, three hours," Whew. and I could have just been like, "Nah," because I'm not ready or whatever. Right. But I was like, "Fuck it," I just said yes, you know, and I went there and I bombed. <laughs> <laughs> I bombed terribly. <laughs> it was the biggest show I ever done. How big was the room? It was probably like. 400 people Oof. or something you know i bombed and then bobby lee asked me to open up for his show in um like irvine or something mm-hmm. i'm like yes of course because you know these are opportunities you can't turn down exactly. you know what i mean because they people don't they be don't be hungry for these you know exactly so i go i say yes i look at the room that shit was like 600 700 people mm-hmm. i fucking bombed so hard bro <laughs> i bombed so fucking hard and, and do you think it's nerves in these situations or or what do you think it is it's a lot of nerves. You know, I think the bigger rooms, I realize, like, if you're doing the Laugh Factory Comedy Store, it's it's more chill. Like, yeah. the rooms are really controlled. Really intimate, yeah. The bigger shows, I realize you'll crack, like, the first couple of layers with laughters, but it's hard to get this whole back. Like, it's quiet. You mm-hmm. can hear how quiet it gets. It, it's, like, it's like a wave. Like, the wave doesn't carry on mm. towards the end, you know? So, um. Yeah, and then also the topics of the jokes, like it works in certain areas or certain communities. You got to switch things up and you got to be able to call that audible on stage. And I, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? When you bomb, like how long does it mess with your confidence? That's a good question, man, because bombing 
I would say bombing is the worst experience I've ever felt on stage yeah. ever. More than like having diarrhea mid-set or something. Like <laughs> bombing is the worst. It is like you say a joke and nobody laughs or like just you hear three laughs or whatever. It, it could fuck up your whole set. Mm -hmm. It definitely could fuck up your whole set. So I would say it's there was one time I bombed and like I, I was almost like waiting for a laughter there to cue me for my next joke, but there was no mm. laughter. So I forgot my next joke. <laughs> I was like, no laughs. Okay, cool. But that, that happens in battling too. Right. When, like, when there's in, no reaction. To no reaction or a crazy reaction and you're soaking in it and you're like, oh, fuck. What's my next line? <laughs> like that happens a lot. You mm -hmm. got to really be focused in, in, the, in the moment. And those, I, th I think as a performer, you got to learn to not not let the reactions be the cue for you. You know gotcha. what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing too, right? Because with music, we have the rhythm of the beat to carry us to the next thing, yeah. right? With comedy, there is nothing to depend on. There's no safety net. No, so. you can't bomb a joke and be like, make some motherfucking noise one time. Hell <laughs> 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 They're like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> God, that is our greatest privilege as rappers is we have full license to yell at people yeah. to, to tell them to make noise. Those and they typically do it. Hey, they do. And there's rappers who abuse the shit out of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Make some noise if you love hip-hop. Like, <laughs> of course they love hip-hop. They're at the show. They're at the hip-hop show. They're at the hip-hop show. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we're winding down here, but I wanted to ask you uh, about a couple more of your exploits um, outside of music. You have a podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about Fun With Dumb. Fun With Dumb is just a podcast I started where I wanted to tap in with all the friends I've made over the last 15 years mm -hmm. in the music, art, fashion scene. Uh, definitely leaned very Asian heavy because I realized I had a lot of Asian friends who were <laughs> in those fields, which is fine. You know, it's, it's more focused in that way. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of same shit I've been talking about as you were interviewing me, just like banter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think people have really started to like it because I don't try to get too heavy with top. It's called fun with dumb. You right. know what I mean? It's yeah. like, this one's called smarty plants. So it's like a complete, <laughs> but it's, that's the whole idea. Like, I just want to be like, oh nah, like just some dumb shit. Let's talk about some dumb shit, lighthearted shit. Right. You know, like I, I really rant like an Asian Larry David on the pod, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's my shit. That's like, shit. like, like Asian themed Larry David rants, like, like how do you hold your chopsticks? Like, nah. <laughs> like, like we were complaining the other day, like behind the chopstick, you know, like the um the mainstream ones where they show you the instructions of yeah. how to hold the chopsticks. Yeah, I was saying how the hand in that little diagram is not an Asian hand. Oh, yeah, like it, it looks more like a white hand. <laughs> it's definitely more of a white hand. So I had a problem with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tune in to uh, your phone with dumb. If fun you with guys, dumb. I mean, obviously, clearly podcast fans. Uh, check out Fun With Dumb. Um, in April of 2020, uh, you announced development of a TV show yep. called Big Dummy. Yep. Uh, what can you tell us about that? So Big Dummy is a show I've been working on for the last two years. Not like we haven't even started filming, but I'm pretty much trying to get it somewhere. You gotcha. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's about the idea. You know, actually, a lot of this actually was inspired... From my experience, but also a lot of stuff that we've talked about too. Like, I think it's about being an adult rapper. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this a lot, and there was that documentary too. Yeah. 
which always said that those two words are so, so funny to me, right? They are. Adult and rapper. Like we don't, we never think about it that way. Cause I think like you're so immortalized in your youth or your persona when you're a rapper. Exactly. And I think that this show is about how to, once you're starting to get to that age where you might be fading out far as relevancy mm -hmm. in rap, like you kind of come back to reality and be like, oh shit, like I've been irre irrelevant to my family, friends and the neighborhood for a long time because I've been caught up in this like chase after this one thing. Right. So it's like an exaggerated version of kind of what I've gone through, mm -hmm. you know, like missing out on moments like my niece and all this yeah. shit. And, and because I think like I have this bigger goal that's going to help out everybody or whatever, but really what everyone wants is just for you to be present. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So the show is about like aging in a youth-driven industry, you know, and kind of reconnecting with all those things you kind of missed out on because of that pursuit. You know what I'm saying? Shit, man, that sounds awesome. I can't yeah. wait till uh, we're able to. It's life to after see rap. That. That's yeah. that's in a, in one line. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I, you know, I, I find myself thinking about that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're still killing it all. Of, I mean, I I've slowed down a little bit. Like, I'll tell you, not, I love rapping, but I don't enjoy being in the studio every day. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? So that's the two different things that like that's the one thing that's changed for me big time. Is like, I still love making songs. I love rapping, but I don't like to be in the studio every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you, man. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to wrap it up, man, I, I wanna I wanna ask you a question just based on all the different stuff we've talked about, right? Like you you've been able to do so many things so well. And I'm really curious, is there one thing you wanna do that you haven't done yet? This is not something I'm like dying to do, but I always could never dance well. <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> not quite the answer <laughs> yeah choreography <laughs> it's like what a weird answer but it was one of those things like when I was young and getting into hip hop you see all the four elements of right. hip hop and break dancing always looked the dopest to yeah. me you know at first mm -hmm. and then so I tried out like every genre like all the four elements I was like, damn, this shit's hard. <laughs> like, really hard. Like, I'm not physically there, and my rhythm was just off. I, I don't think it's just about physicality, but you got to have, like, a groove to it. For and sure. I, and I wasn't, that groove wasn't right for me. <laughs> uh, uh, but I always thought it, just, it was one of the coolest things, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, like, to do something so expressive like that without, without looking goofy. Yeah, and without words, because everything you've done With, is words. Without, exactly, you know? exactly. Like, Dance is one of those things that I, I still love. I'm a big fan of dance, yeah. you know, but I'm not really a fan necessarily of like choreographed, like crazy Jabberwockies type dance. Mm -hmm. Cause I always see a video of some like 15 year old black kid in a parking lot on Twitter. Yeah. And he is like the craziest dancer. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why I just, I don't know. It's weird. Like I, I know there's like these amazing choreographed like dance groups doing synchronized things, but never hits as hard to me as those videos. Like it's I not, see online. It's not as uniquely expressive it's, as one person just doing it. It's thing. so yeah. crazy. Like I, I'm just like blown away by that shit. So that's the kind of dance I would want to okay. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it'll ever happen because I'm a 35-year-old Asian guy. And well, not a you know, if there's anything that your your career is a testament to, it's it's never too late, sir. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that might fuck my whole everything else up by me starting to put dance videos yeah, up. Yeah, you're right. I mean, well, I think the injuries might be a problem. Like, you know, if you sprain a knee or something right now, it's going to take a little bit more uh, uh, time to that, recover. That is a good point. <laughs> that, it's like, how'd you fuck up your knee? Uh, choreograph, dance. <laughs> 
dance lessons. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I appreciate you coming and spending the time. Uh, always good to talk to you yeah. and, and, and reconnect. Um, hope people listening to this will follow your exploits. And uh, shout out to Smarty Plants for putting this together. Shout out to the grocery. Shout out uh, Smarty Plants. Yeah, clap it up every uh, for all the people who showed up today to hang out and... And and watch us chat, man. And shout out to Zach on the boards over here. It's yep, Zach. Zach. Is I would the man. be smoking Smarty Plants ten years ago if it was around <laughs> in my car for the Hot Box show. That's what I'd be smoking. But yo, thank you, uh, Open Mike Eagle, good friend of mine for a very long very time. Very long time. Uh, long I probably time. haven't seen you in over a year. Actually, hey, it's been a minute. It's yeah, been a minute. that was so crazy when you posted that picture of us. Uh, was that 12 years ago or something like that? Yeah, I think that picture was from like 06, yeah. That's crazy. I think yeah, we've 06, aged 06, really well. seven maybe, yeah. You yeah, know, we've, we've I, aged well. I, yeah, I mean, we've certainly aged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've aged, but I think we're looking pretty good. All right. Well, thank you to Dumbfounded. Thank you for everybody for listening. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and this has been Flowerside Chats, brought to you by Smarty Plants. That was a great interview, man. Nice, man. You do this. I do. Stony Island Audio.